0: You may think you know my story. Many have told it. It has long passed into history, into myth. I've seen more of heaven and hell than most people dream of. But I was always a willful girl, and followed my heart and spoke my mind. And it is high time I should tell you
1: my story myself. Most people are probably familiar with Shakespeare's Hamlet, or at least know something about its melancholy Dane who hesitates in avenging his father's death. But the new film Ophelia reimagines the play from the point of view of Hamlet's love interest, a young woman named Ophelia who commits suicide. Or does she? Welcome back to KPBS's Cinema Junkie and part two of my podcast on the female perspective in film. I'm Beth Accomando. In the second part, I look to the new film Ophelia that stars Daisy Ridley as the title character and was directed by Claire McCarthy. It's based on the young adult novel by Lisa Klein. The film allows you to see Hamlet with new eyes, those of a smart young woman who bristles at the limitations society tries to place on her. I'm going to take this short break, and then I'll be back to talk with director Claire McCarthy and author Lisa Klein about retelling Hamlet from a female perspective. Donations come in many forms. A sustaining membership, a one-time gift, even that extra vehicle you no longer need. Learn more about the advantages of donating a vehicle. Here's how. Go to kpbs.careasy.org or call 877-KPBS-CAR. I began my interview with Claire McCarthy by asking what attracted her to Lisa Klein's novel, Ophelia.
0: I think the, the challenge of this crazy kind of shift of the narrative access, showing an insight into Ophelia's point of view, it's a period setting, but it's a riff on arguably one of Shakespeare's most beloved and sublime masterpieces. So, so many things could land wrong or be misunderstood or feel too lofty or highbrow, so I was really attracted to trying to set up the best circumstances for a younger audience to to feel for these complex characters and hopefully relate to, to the struggle of Ophelia and to be emotionally moved. So to me, it was it was going to be a challenge to tell a story about humans across culture and time and and there's some complex themes, you know, jealousy, loneliness, shame, self-loathing, depression, to land these big themes and, and emotional states. In a way that doesn't isolate a younger audience, it felt like we needed to figure out how to have a contemporary touchstone for this, and, and a lot of that is inherent within the piece, the way that the story has turned it, turned on its axis and it, and is telling things differently, uh, and the way that we're navigating from Ophelia's eyes. But yeah, there there was a lot of a lot of challenges. We we discussed the language, and I talked a lot about. The need for there to be a crispness and a bounce to the interactions that that this is not trying to be kind of Shakespeare in a classic sense. That we want to see humour and for it to feel like a big, intense, epic world. So you know there was a lot of stylistic and tonal kind of balancing issues to kind of consider, as well as obviously working out who was going to be the cast. And we landed a really amazing cast, and also finding that that really important triumvirate of, you know, cinematographer and production designer and all our incredible and industrious team. We, we, made, we made the film in Prague. So it was also about, in terms of moving into production, how, you know, the tone of the world and how we move through that and create that world and make sure we weren't seduced by incredible sets and fancy camera moves. And that was ultimately leaving as much room and emphasis to create this world with these actors.
1: Now, you mentioned that you wanted this to appeal to a younger audience, but for you, was part of the appeal also that the novel took the point of view of the female supporting character as opposed to just keeping it... I mean, you could have done a Hamlet for a younger generation, Mm. um, but you picked one that's particularly from a young woman's point of view in retelling, and I was just curious if that was part of the appeal as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, as, as I was saying before, you know, an audience can... If they do know Hamlet, they can re-experience the Hamlet they, they might know and love and hopefully find some whimsy in, in the shift of the, the narrative and tonal axis. But ultimately, yeah, this is, this is Ophelia through her world. The intention was to always be couched in her point of view and her particular insights about the dynamics happening around her. We, we never wanted to lose her or have her feel passive or a victim as she was in the original play. She's such a tragic icon and such a such a small role in the play, but uh, I think she's become a kind of iconic figure. So, yeah, that was certainly a, a big attraction to this, is to work out how to give her currency in, in a completely different way and to try and understand the dynamics of the Hamlet story from a different point of view, from her point of view.
1: Well, I'm a big fan of Shakespeare and his plays, and when I first heard about this, that my one concern was that it was going to have this kind of perspective where they put a modern female character into this setting and that she might appear too contemporary. Mm -hmm. But what I really liked about what the film did was it showed... What a strong, intelligent woman had to kind of like suffer through Mm -hmm. being in that time period that she looks into the library where she's not allowed. And because of her place of birth, she's, you know, limited to certain things that she can do with her life. And I I really appreciated how you gave it a strong female perspective, but didn't necessarily, Mm. you know, make it this unrealistic kind of contemporary character back in that setting.
0: Yes, it's it's so it, that's a good insight because it's, a, it's sort of incremental. It's it's a shift of the point of view. It's allowing us, hopefully, to empathise with what it would be like being low status. Um, she's not in a power position in the world that she lives in, which is often the case for, for women now. So allowing her to navigate through that, to use strategy and to work her way through that world, is is not only unique to the Hamlet world that we never really understand what. Ophelia. We never had a lot of dimensions to understand what Ophelia would have endured, but also it's, it becomes a contemporary stu- touchstone for now. And I guess ultimately, the tragedy of Hamlet is the triumph of Ophelia in a way. Is sort of what we we're trying to <laughs> look at that that he's undone by his own vengeance and and the masculinity of the world that he lives in doesn't allow for enough love, you know. And and so ultimately, her scheming and her, not even scheming, but her her strategy and her ability to navigate through that world, even though she 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 has a victory in a different way, she's not undone and not brought down by the tragedy. So, yeah, that that that's kind of the things that really drew me to this material. That it that it does um, raise a lot of questions, and and it's such a it, it's a it's incremental as to how far you can push these things because sometimes it can just feel anachronistic, and you just wonder. That's just not believable. I can't relate to it. It's just trying to work out how, you, how, you, where, how much latitude you have to push that character within that context of that world and still hopefully allow there to be enough room to still let there be complexity and also a capacity for an audience of today to experience or re-experience this particular situation and story.
1: Well, it also seemed like you not only gave us an insight into Ophelia's character, but also into Gertrude, who is another character who is sometimes kind of difficult to understand from the small amount of time that we get to see her on stage.
0: It's true. Yes, I, I, I'm sad to hear that uh, Franco Zapparelli is a beautiful filmmaker, passed away I, um, just recently, a couple of days ago, and I was really struck by his version of Hamlet particularly the character of Gertrude, was so complex, uh, this kind of eatable take on, on Hamlet, which we've seen on stage a few times, but I think it was probably the first time that's been brought to screen. And so in working with Naomi, such a Naomi Watts who's such a beautiful, complex, wonderful artist, thinking about how to bring in... You know, we, we did a lot of this... We talked a lot about the way that Gertrude had been represented... And, and often judged. I mean, that's the other thing is in shifting the point of view, it's allowing the characters to have flaws and to, to do questionable things, but to not not allow us to presume that they're bad or wrong or silly, that we're trying to be inside this, their situation. So, yeah, I guess it allows us more latitude to understand what it would feel like to be, to be kind of lonely. You know, a lot of the, the complex kind of issues that she would be dealing with you know, jealousy and shame and self-loathing and depression. They're very contemporary sort of um, discussion points but they're things that that are very inherent within her character and in that Zaffarelli version of of, uh, Gertrude we see a sort of evil version where she sees Ophelia as a rival or, or you know, Hamlet is taken from her and how that hurts her as a mother and a woman and I, we didn't necessarily go there with our version, but we did. We did discuss that, and we did bring in colours of these other versions. But there's certainly there's certainly a, a sort of a female perspective on it, in a sense, or a contemporary perspective. I don't want to necessarily say it's a feminine perspective exclusively, because certainly an exploration of the masculine is inherent to Hamlet, and seeing the way he he also seeing the way that Ophelia relates to Hamlet and how he responds to his circumstances are so important to the story too. But definitely there, there, was a, there was a lot of discussions with Naomi about how to land this character and to find the love, you know, find the empathy for her as opposed to come from a point of um, a pres- presumption that she's weak or inferior or... Just a part of the rottenness of that of that empire, or that that court at that time.
1: Well, you bring up Zeffirelli's film, and I was also impressed in that film by Helena Bonham Carter's Ophelia. She felt mm-hmm. like a much stronger Ophelia than I had seen before, and it it made me kind of listen to the lines differently. Which is again what what happens in your film too, because. It, there are references to Shakespeare's Hamlet within it. There are lines that are kind of similar, um, and and story elements taken from there. So I, I like the way it makes you kind of rehear and re-see some of the things in the uh, original play.
0: Mm, I think so too. I think that version of of Hamlet really brought Hamlet to life for me, and I agree that that interpretation of Ophelia was she she felt so fragile and and she had a heart um and a and a creative imagination you felt the tragedy even more because you thought she wasn't just a victim there was something um complex going on for her beyond hamlet and her belief in love and and you know that she she was bound to be sort of um thwarted in that world where there was so much corruption and power and toxicity so yeah i i agree it's, it was, and in thinking about casting Ophelia, Daisy such a, um, Daisy Ridley, such a, such a contemporary woman. Like she's so sort of, she has such self-determinism and vulnerability and strength. And that was in considering how to sort of land her on screen. You know, we had this kind of pre-raculite kind of world that we were creating. A kind of, you know, we we did uh, we do have a lot of homages to the classic paintings and the the worlds of the original um, the original play and how it's been represented in art. So on the exterior there was this sense of her being this maiden or this kind of this sort of typical idea of what a woman would have been at that time. But having a character having an actress come to that role and bring an essence that could we could feel like we could relate to her and um, that you would feel that she could survive this at the end, you know, that on her own terms was really important uh, in thinking about how to bring that to the screen or how to bring her to the screen. For a flash, I thought you were a ghost.
1: At school, we dissected a corpse into his parts, there was no room for his ghost.
0: Shall I shall have to take your word for it, my lord. I know nothing of the parts of men.
1: You stopped my heart.
0: If your heart stopped, you would die.
1: I seem to be quite alive.
0: Appearances deceive. See this. An innocent flower, and yet it is belladonna, the most deadly nightshade.
1: Belladonna means beautiful woman. And you say it's poison. Well, you promise to dance with me someday? I'm afraid i dance like a goat. I'm just curious if um, you've screened the film and what kind of an audience response you've gotten and, and how you've kind of um, gauged that.
0: My favourite screening was when we did a screening, I think it was to like a thousand young people uh, outside of Utah. And that was my favourite because it was the first time we'd actually screened to a full audience of that were high school students and I think first year uni. And it was overwhelming how much people related to the film because at that point I wasn't certain if a younger audience would or wouldn't relate to the movie. And it means a lot to me that that this is this is something that younger people can access. That was probably my favourite screening. Yeah, it's my hope that the characters and stories have new currency and, and this can invite a younger audience to experience or, or re-experience, if they do know Hamlet, this, this kind of a world and that they're invited to be a part of it and not to be spoken to or spoken at, that this is the conversation that they can be a part of. There are two sides struggling in here. One is baser, one better.
1: She tells my fortune, Horatia.
0: My lord, it is your misfortune.
1: Ophelia, directed by Claire McCarthy and starring Daisy Ridley, opens in select theatres today. I'll be right back after this short break with author Lisa Klein, whose love for Shakespeare led her to write a series of young adult novels inspired by The Bard. I began my interview with author Lisa Klein by asking what inspired her to reimagine Hamlet from Ophelia's point of view. Uh, What
2: inspired me? Well, I guess we should go back to my teaching at Ohio State University. And when I didn't get tenure at Ohio State, um, I still needed, felt like I needed an outlet for my academic interests. And I was ready to give up teaching but not research and writing. And so I decided to try to write a novel. And they say, you know, write what you know. And I felt I knew Shakespeare fairly well after teaching for so many years and teaching Hamlet particularly. And, and in teaching Hamlet, I'd just always been displeased with the character of Ophelia and representations of Ophelia and discussions of Ophelia. And I was annoyed at Hamlet for his mistreatment of her. Um, and so I just wondered what the play Hamlet would look like from Ophelia's point of view. And that started just a whole series of what ifs, you know, what if she and Hamlet had quite a deep relationship, and what would that look like? And what if she didn't drown? Because if you're writing a novel, you can't have your main character, you know, die. Your reader would be quite disappointed. And you also can't have a main character who was weak enough to kill herself over Hamlet. So it was just this process of thinking about Hamlet from a different perspective. And I think it was a book I'd sort of always wanted to write when I was teaching Hamlet as a book to teach alongside Hamlet, because I frequently, I frequently did that when I taught Shakespeare.
1: What was kind of your intent when you wanted to take Ophelia's point of view? Did you want to kind of flesh out her character more fully? Or did you want to try and reinterpret her? What was kind of your, your driving uh, purpose in that?
2: I think it was more a reinterpretation. It was kind of an an experiment. I did want to reinterpret her. I wanted to flesh her out. I wanted to make her a a more complete character because I, I, that wasn't Shakespeare's intention. Shakespeare used her as a foil to Hamlet, a foil to Hamlet's madness, a foil to Hamlet's revenge plot. And, and I, and I thought, well, there has to be more to this character than just, you know, madness and eventually drowning, whether it's, suicide or an accident, I mean, that, that doesn't make for a very compelling character. And so, you know, I thought that she really had to be a stronger character than Shakespeare presented her, you know, that there had to be something special about her that would have drawn the attention of the Prince of Denmark. So she wasn't just, you know, sort of a wench about the court or, or or some nobody. You know, the Prince of Denmark fell in love with her. So, you know, with that assumption, I just began to sort of create her character and flesh her out, give her a voice, you know, give her ambitions and desires of her own, make her witty, and give her the intelligence to, you know, converse with Hamlet and to navigate this really dangerous environment, you know, the court of Elsinore, and then ultimately to escape it in order to preserve her life. So it was just one thing led to another, and finally, you know, she was this fully imagined character with a backstory before she came to Elsinore and a story for after she leaves Elsinore.
1: Now, is some of the frustration that you might have felt with the character – Based on the way she's been interpreted on stage and in film as opposed to strictly problems coming from the text,
2: yeah, she has a kind of fire to her, but she also has a a real distinct madness you know there's no doubt that she is she has you know lost her marbles and is deranged and just damaged by everything that's happened to her. And so that did not sit well with me because I wanted to think about her rising above the situation at Elsinore and not destroying herself out of out of madness and and frustrated and frustrated love. But yes, you're right in that um, representations of Ophelia and movies and plays, even performances of Hamlet, quite often cut a lot of Ophelia's lines and her songs. So really, Shakespeare gives Ophelia a much greater presence in the words of his play, than subsequent performances have done, um, which really allied much of Ophelia's character and her scenes and her, and her dialogue, which gives many hints of, of strength, um, really. So there is a lot in Shakespeare to work on um, in, de- in fleshing out the character of Ophelia.
1: And one of the things that I liked about what you did was that it wasn't simply going back and, and trying to kind of turn her into some feminist hero or change her completely. What I enjoyed was that you created this character who seemed very smart and, and strong, but she was fighting against kind of the strictures of what society was like at the time. So we get this sense, this picture of what a woman like her was struggling against in that particular period of time.
2: Yes, it really, it really was very important for me to make her historically believable, plausible, and not some sort of proto-feminist or you know 20th century teenager superimposed back over a, you know, a Renaissance character. So I really, I, I took great pains with my research and with my delineation of her character to give her traits and abilities and experiences that would be believable for a woman of her time. Um, for instance, her, her knowledge of herbs and medicine would be a kind of knowledge that a woman could have and, and, a, and a source of strength, you know, a, a sort of a, a knowledge. And it was, of course, the knowledge that made her able to concoct the potion that mimicked death and enabled her escape from Elsinore. So just in and in, in her education, she obtains by sort of tagging along with, with Laertes. I did not want to have an anachronistic character sort of plopped in the middle of this Shakespearean reinvention.
1: Well, and also you point out how much class and, you know, birthright kind of plays into things too, that, you know, because she comes from a, a family that's perceived as poor and and not of royalty, that this kind of sets a certain course for her that seems very difficult to contradict or, or go against.
2: Yeah, well, it also gives her something to, to rise above and to achieve because, of course, when she's taken into the into Queen Gertrude's company and becomes a lady in waiting her, her prospects improve immensely. But she is always fighting against that. You know, she's not noble. She's not um, well-born. Her father is a slightly dotty advisor to, you know, to the king. Um, so she, she does have a lot to overcome, which, of course, you, you want your character to to rise above her circumstances and have something to, to work for and to overcome.
1: And the story is told from Ophelia's point of view, but you also bring some nice layers and depth to Gertrude as well. It was really important
2: for me because Ophelia doesn't have a
1: mother. And part of what makes her human and
2: yearning and endearing is that she longs for that for that contact, for that relationship. And so um, Gertrude becomes kind of a surrogate mother to her. And, of course, their relationship gets very complex and intense because she's hiding from Gertrude her secret romance with Gertrude's son, the prince. And then, you know, later on in the story, which I won't give away, you know, Gertrude... Has a chance to betray her, but does not and um, Gertrude herself, I think, is a really a really compelling figure because we, we never know when we read shakespeare 's play just how much Gertrude knows about claudius 's evil deeds um, does, you know, does, was she complicit at all in the murder of King Hamlet, and so she really has the potential to be a very complicated um, complicated character. Um, and so I, I wanted to to capitalize on it and make her an important person in ophelia's life too
1: now hamlet is a play that has drawn the attention of of the, excuse me of other writers in terms of kind of looking at it from different angles uh, the most memorable is tom stoppard's rosencrantz and Gilderstern are dead So when you were tackling this, what was your thought in terms of how did you want to weave Shakespeare's actual play or characters or, you know, bits of his dialogue? How did you decide that you wanted to use that within the context of your book?
2: Well, I'm glad you mentioned Stoppard because I I love that play. And what I did with the book is a little bit of what Tom Stoppard does with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is that um, he doesn't change the action of the play, but he shows you what's happening offstage. He shows you other scenes. You know, when, when Rosencrantz and Guildenstern exit Hamlet, then they have their own, you know, life and their own dialogue and their uh, other things go on. And so I thought of Ophelia as I, I laid out Hamlet very carefully, the timeline, the events, everything that happened. And I basically wove Ophelia's story in and out of the Hamlet story. So that I did not change anything about the play Hamlet, the action of the play, but I just looked at it from a different point of view. I did not want Shakespeare aficionados to, to, you know, rise up in arms and say, she changed the play. You just can't do that. So um, nothing nothing in my book contradicts the play. Um, It's all a plausible what-if you know, sort of reinterpretation. Um, Yes, you can say I contradict the play because Ophelia doesn't drown, but we never see Ophelia kill herself in in the play. We only see Gertrude report that she's drowned. And so it leaves the possibility that Ophelia doesn't actually drown, but that she sort of fakes her drowning and then manages to escape. um, She has the help of Horatio, the trusty Horatio, So all these, everything I do with Hamlet is plausible within Shakespeare's, within the terms of Shakespeare's play, Um, which was kind of an intellect, what I said was sort of an intellectual exercise for me. I just, I enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed augmenting Hamlet without changing it.
1: And Ophelia has now been made into a film with Daisy Ridley, who is in the Star Wars films. Uh, Have you had a chance to see it?
2: I did. And I, I really, I do love it. I think it's it's visually stunning. Daisy Ridley is a lovely Ophelia. George McKay is a very endearing Hamlet. And Clive Owen is, is Claudius, a very menacing figure. And Naomi Watts has just not one, but two great roles in the film. The film is is not the book, and that's okay. It's its, its own thing. I just feel incredibly lucky that that my book won the lottery, so to speak, by actually getting made into a movie and which is entirely due to the persistence of its of its producers.
1: I mean, obviously, when when they make a film, they usually have to cut down on on what a novel does. But uh, do you feel they captured the essence of what you were trying to do with the book?
2: I think so. I think so. Of course, you're right. They did have to pare down much of much of the book in order to make it into a into a movie. I did I got to go to Prague to see some of the filming which was fascinating. You know, I'd been shown the script beforehand, just out of a courtesy, because I did not have any input in it, but I read it and I had a few reservations about it. But seeing the film, those reservations were put to rest because the, the film was no longer words on a page. Uh, which is like a black and white snapshot, really. But the film itself became a living thing. And, and the words are spoken, but with gestures and facial expressions and intonation. And you've got actors in their costumes in elaborate settings in music and music and creative camera work. So that the script is, is like this, this minor piece. It's only the starting point. For for the movie, uh, and it was interesting to, to watch that process and see see how words on a page are transformed utterly in coming to life as a as a movie.
1: And was there anything in the film that surprised you in the sense of once your story went through other people's eyes and and you know got transformed and translated? Was there anything that you saw on the screen that was? You know, seeing it actually acted out or visualized that you go like, "Ah, right, <laughs> I, I didn't quite think of it that way, or that's a nice way to look at it um It was interesting to see what
2: they changed and why they changed it, okay because they in, in my in my book, for instance, Hamlet does not come across very well because he mistreats Ophelia and he you know has this vow of vengeance that he puts above his vow for Ophelia, but in the movie, in order to 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 prove promote the romance between Hamlet and Ophelia as long as possible, Hamlet is a much nicer guy and a much more sympathetic character. Actress Naomi Watts ends up playing two characters in order to have a a bigger screen presence. And so that entailed some changing of the plot that might seem kind of outrageous, but it works in the context of the movie. It works. And um, it makes them... Seeing the revenge... Enacted in the final scene was really satisfying and and really um, really cleverly well done. So I, I won't say any more than that because so I don't want to ruin it for viewers. But it's a it's a re- becomes a revenge play re- revenge movie for the Me Too moment. It's um, mm-hmm. very compelling ending. <laughs>
1: That was author Lisa Klein. Her novel, Ophelia, is now a movie starring Daisy Ridley. Be sure to listen to part one of this podcast featuring Heidi Honeycutt, programmer of Ethereum Film Night, which focuses on women genre directors. I'll be back in two weeks with an interview with director Lulu Wong about her Sundance hit, The Farewell. Please subscribe to Cinema Junkie on iTunes and leave a review if you enjoy the show. Or better yet, tell a friend. So till our next film fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie.